It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. to the Franchise Focus podcast series on the Fantasy Points Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Dolan, and our long journey is coming to a close. 32 teams in 32 days, occasionally skipping a day here and there, but essentially in one month, we have a podcast for each NFL team, starting with the AFC East and now wrapping up with the NFC West. I hope you enjoyed this journey as much as I did. I hope you learned as much as I did. Getting intel on camp battles, potential sleepers, injuries, who's going to be back uh, early in training camp, who might not be back until a little bit later in the summer, contract situations, all of that has been covered. Uh, I just want to thank all of my co-hosts for scheduling these. It was not a fun job scheduling the podcast. Once I started recording them, that's when I really started to enjoy it. Scheduling and getting people all on the same page was not the most fun, but I, I, everybody who I had on this podcast was so excited to join me. And it was such a pleasant experience once I got these things scheduled that I, I really can't imagine not doing this next year, even though it was a massive stress item in my life. But I, I think the, the, the fruits of, of, of the labor have really borne out here uh, with all the information that we have uh, acquired throughout the Franchise Focus podcast series. We also, by the way, if you just listen to this and you're not subscribed to FantasyPoints.com, we also did an accompanying article for all 32 NFL teams in which we broke down, did a full breakdown of every player projected on those 32 teams, including John Hansen's final thoughts and how he's approaching all the teams. So I want to thank everybody for reading those articles. Tom Brawley, Ryan Heath, Jake Tribby contributing to those articles. The guys did a wonderful job. Tom Brawley also did a full betting preview for all 32 teams. Uh, the guy is just a machine, so I really hope you check that out. And finally, we launched the Fantasy Points Data Suite last week, and to say the the reception's been great is, is is an understatement. I think the industry is enjoying it, and I think the industry is seeing the potential of the Fantasy Points Data Suite. Uh, if you haven't signed up for the Data Suite and given a look at everything that the tool can do, um, you can go and sign up for a free seven-day trial. Um, it, it will not charge your credit card for seven days, and you can decide if the data suite is something you want to add to your fantasy football research this year. It has been a big research month here with the Franchise Focus podcast series and the Fantasy Points data suite. I hope everybody uh, is along for the ride, and I hope everybody is ready for training camp in the preseason. That is what this series was leading into. And without further ado, here is our final division, the NFC West. Welcome back to the Franchise Focus Podcast Series here at FantasyPoints.com. This is not the last one that you will hear, but it is the last one I'm recording here, and, and it's been quite um, a fun and challenging undertaking, and I'm so thrilled to welcome Cameron De Silva to the program to talk about the Los Angeles Rams. He is the managing editor of the Rams Wire. You can follow him on Twitter at Cam DeSilva. Cam, thank you for joining me here, um, and, and thank you for being so open to scheduling. Uh, I know it's getting close to training camp, and everybody is is preparing to get busy, but but thank you for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to join. So, uh, Cam, the Rams, obviously, look, at 
we know the, the less Sneed F them picks, you know, T-shirt and all that. And I think there was a, a, a very much an open understanding that the Rams were going to have to pay the tax that they paid to, to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. I just don't think Rams fans expected it to be so soon and so spectacular in the way they paid the tax. Is there more reasons to be optimistic about 2023 as opposed to what happened in 2022? Yeah, I, I think um, I think you're going to see a really young, inexperienced team on the field initially this season. Um, it's it's just a lot of rookies and, and second year players are going to have to step up. But um, last year was kind of just an anomaly of of injuries and um, really just shuffling the offensive line way more than the Rams expected to. So that kind of just sent things into chaos. And Matthew Stafford's elbow injury was a bigger deal than I think some people understood and I, I want to say it was less neat or Sean McVay even said it he he said I don't think people understood I, I think we kind of underestimated the pain that he was going through with his elbow injury last offseason and uh he didn't he didn't throw in the spring and then when training camp came around he only did individual work he didn't do um the the team drills that they were doing so it's hard for him to build chemistry with with Allen Robinson and uh some of his other receivers but this year, you're going to see Cooper Cup obviously carry the offense along with Matthew Stafford, hopefully get some some better play out of Cam Akers now that he's solidified as their starting running back with Daryl Henderson gone. Um, but the defense is, is the bigger question. You need guys like Kobe Durant to step up and rookie Byron Young to kind of provide some pressure off the edge. Um, I, I think expectations are low, so this is almost like a, a 2017 all over again for the Rams where – you're coming in with low expectations. Sean McVay's first year, uh, not really sure what to expect from from the offense um, and the defense as a whole. Um, but there's some some optimism with the young players that they do have. Uh, let's talk about Matthew Stafford's health. What what is the what's the update on that? I know the word retirement was kind of floated out there. I think he was pretty quick to squash that. But what is the update on his health? And it, is he doing more this year than he did last year? Yeah, for sure. He's been he's been a full participant so far um, during OTAs and minicamp, and he's expected to be a full go in training camp. So um, it seems like he's miles ahead of where he was last year. The elbow is is behind him, and that's not an issue anymore. Obviously, the the bigger concern was the back injury that he suffered last season that shut him down for the rest of the year. But there doesn't seem to be any ill effects from that uh, going into this season. What about Cooper Cup's health? He did not. He was not a full participant during OTAs and minicamp. Kind of took some time. He had a baby, so he was away from the team for a little while. Then he got back at the end of minicamp and did some did some work on the side and was doing individual stuff. But he's expected to be fully healthy for the start of the season too, which is which is a good sign. He and Aaron Donald had that same kind of um, ankle injury with surgery to to repair the issue. So both of them are expected to be fine for the start. So I talked to John Chapman, who um, who hosts the 49ers podcast about the 49ers, and I found it really interesting um, that with with what's going on now in the running back market, um, the fact that you know you you understand what happened with Saquon Barkley and Tony Pollard and and um, Josh Jacobs, Josh and Jacobs. yeah, a lot of the articles that you're saying is like you know blame Shanahan, blame McVay for you know what's going on, and then I noticed about Kyle Shanahan. 
he seems to value the individual who plays the position more than anything. He doesn't view it as replaceable. The Rams have spent significant resources in the Sean McVay era drafting running backs, and Sean McVay has been very hard on his running backs. So how do you square that with the fact that maybe this system makes it easier to play for a running back, see C.J. Anderson in that Super Bowl run, versus the fact that Sean McVay seems to be very hard on guys. We've seen guys like Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers end up in the doghouse. So how do you square that? What's the what's the uh, the juxtaposition there? Yeah, it's a funny it's a funny balance because so many people want to blame Todd Gurley and the Rams for uh, for this whole running back situation and with the way that. All of this has worked out. I think Melvin Gordon even said blame Sean McVay and, and the Rams for the way they they handled the Todd Gurley situation. But that was really just they gave Todd Gurley that big contract and it obviously didn't work out. But that wasn't something that they expected to happen. He just had that kind of Injury. arthritis in his knee and it just wore down, wore down, and, and he wasn't the same player. Um, and obviously the C.J. Anderson kind of sub in uh, during their Super Bowl run and, and their playoff run that year kind of opened some eyes to, hey, we can get a guy off the street in week 15 that comes in and, and produces as well as Todd Gurley did when he was not 100%. Why spend all this money on running backs? But um, you're right. I mean, Sean McVay, they love – Sean McVay and the Rams, they love running backs. They've taken Daryl Henderson. They took Kyron Williams. They took Zach Evans this year. Cam Akers was a second-round pick. Um, obviously, Todd Gurley's contract. So they've sunk plenty of assets into this position. And – they haven't gotten great returns out of it since since Todd Gurley um, was cut, but they're they're continuing to try to find that workhorse back, and they think they have it with Cam Akers now, and uh, with Daryl Henderson gone, it's it's really his backfield, and they're going to use him pretty heavily, I think, this season, and Kyron Williams is going to mix in, and, and maybe the rookie Zach Evans. Yeah. So let's talk about Cam Akers. What was the issue with him at the beginning of last year uh, with McVay, and how did he kind of flip that on its head by the end of last year where he was essentially operating as a bell cow back? Yeah, they, they never said specifically what it was. Raheem Morris kind of opened up the most about it and just said it was a disagreement with the Rams system. And um, it, it probably had to do with the change that they made at, at running backs coach where they had Rashad Samples come in and he was their new their new running backs coach. And there might have been a little disagreement between him and, and Cam Akers and um McVeigh mentioned a couple of times, I think, that he wanted to see more urgency and and essentially more effort out of Cam Akers when he wasn't carrying the ball. So things like blocking and um, and the little things that you expect from the running back position. So he got in the doghouse for a couple of weeks and and after Daryl Henderson was cut, which was a, a huge surprise at that point in the season, Akers really took over and, and was that starting running back that he was towards the end of his rookie year and, and showed that he can be a workhorse back and, and do it all in this offense. I think um, one of the things that might be unanswered in fantasy football, um, Adam Schefter before that opening game last year against the bills comes out on, you know, on, on, on NFL countdown. And he's like, by the way, keep an eye out for Kyron Williams. Adam Schefter does not say that if Adam Schefter doesn't know something. Yep. And then Williams, I think, proceeded to get hurt on the opening kickoff. What do you think yep. Adam Schefter was alluding to with Kyron Williams, and why did we not see that when Kyron Williams ended up coming back later in the season? I think I think there was a good chance he was going to be at least their number two running back. Sean McVay said it. He he said how excited he was for Williams before he got hurt, and and he said multiple times since then that he was he was going to be a big part of their offense, and um, I think. 
the Rams wanted to use him as more than just kind of a, a third down back. And um, when he got hurt on that opening kickoff, it was really disappointing. And then he came back and I mean, he dealt with injuries throughout his rookie year from OTAs on. So he never really got started, but um, he's a player they really like. And he doesn't have the greatest athleticism. He's not like a breakaway guy, but he's small. He's shifty. He's, he's a good blocker. He's a good receiver. So um, I think this year they're kind of looking at him as that third down back who can who can catch some passes and do the dirty work of blocking. Um, it's just disappointing that he never really got off the ground last season as a rookie. Van Jefferson, also another guy who dealt with injuries. I mean, if, if you're talking about a Los Angeles Ram on this podcast, chances are they dealt with injuries last year. Um, yep. he, he's kind of one of those guys who I think he's an old school scouts kind of receiver, right? He didn't test out of the building, but he's a coach's uh, – I mean, he's an NFL receiver son, but also a coach's yep. son. He's a route runner. Um, do you think Van Jefferson has the chops to be the Rams' number two wide receiver and essentially their number one outside wide receiver with Cooper cup predominantly lining up in the slot. Yeah, I do. He, he had a good season in 2021. He had 50 catches some, somewhere around 800 yards. Um, and that was really as the number three receiver. So yeah. last season just never really got a shot. Obviously Allen Robinson was there, but more importantly, he missed the early part of the season with the, with two knee surgeries. So um, a delayed start for van, but, He's like you mentioned, he's just kind of a, a well-rounded receiver who can run routes. He has better speed than than he tested in the 40. Um, he was the, the Rams, what they weighed his scouting report on more heavily than the 40 was his um, his tracking time, his GPS tracking time at the senior bowl. And he was one of the fastest receivers on the field. So they like his speed. He he uh, the problem with him is he might be able to get behind the defense and, and kind of create a big play, but he's not always the most physical at the catch point. He, yep. He's not like a, a 50, 50 guy who's going to win these jump ball scenarios. So um, I think really to get him going, they're going to need to work him more on these intermediate routes and kind of just get him, get him into the flow of the game a little bit more rather than um, going to him on third and 10, where he's, he's expected to make a, a big catch down the field. Um, get him more involved with with Cooper Cup on, in the slot and um, kind of spread the ball around a little bit more to to get him feeling comfortable in the offense. So even if Matthew Stafford stayed healthy last year, um, it probably wasn't going to be a pretty offense for the Rams. We saw that before no. he got hurt, and and the offensive line was a big part of that. Um, uh, and that not only did they not have a lot of high level talent, but everybody got hurt too. What's the outlook for the offensive line? Are there reasons to be more, um, optimistic for the Rams offensive line in 2023? Yeah, obviously health is just the primary thing that everyone is going to be looking for, for that offensive line. And, um, it's not that they don't have talent. It's that they don't have like these top end starters, um, they have plenty of competition across the board. Rob Haven signed at right tackle is going to be the starter. He's not going to face any competition there. But at the other four spots, the Rams don't know who their starter is going to be. So it's going to be wide open in training camp. You're going to have Joe Noteboom and Alaric Jackson competing at left tackle. The loser of that battle could could move inside to guard and be a starter there. At guard, you have Steve Avila, their, their top pick this year. You have Logan Bruss, who's coming back from a torn ACL. He was their top pick last year. Um, at center, you have Brian Allen and Coleman Shelton competing. So it's just really a huge mixture of players who can play a variety of positions. And the Rams are just going to need to find the best five combination and, and kind of make it work from there. Um, they don't have like a 
pro bowl guard or, or an all pro left tackle like Andrew Whitworth anymore, but they do have a lot of bodies and, and guys who have gained experience, especially last year with so many injuries where you have backups getting thrust into, into starting roles and gaining that valuable experience. Is that a place where, you know, and always in the NFL in the summer, there are surprising veteran cuts on the offensive line. Is that a place where the Rams could could potentially look, or is that really dependent on how the, this competition goes? You mean picking up someone who was cut? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think for sure. I think you could look there. I think you're going to look at edge rusher, maybe cornerback. Um, it's it's going to kind of depend how training camp goes. They've really been of the mind that they like the guys that they have. And we kind of saw that in the draft the last couple of years. Obviously, they prioritized it with Avila and Logan Bruss, but it's not like they've gone out and signed these these big name free agents along the offensive line. They like the guys that they bring up and develop and um, they turn into starters. So um, if they do go out and sign a veteran who was cut, I, I don't know if you expect him to start week one. He might just be kind of a, a backup and an insurance guy just in case one of the younger guys gets hurt, but uh, for sure some some position they can look at. I think, uh, I don't know if you play fantasy, um, but mm-hmm. I think you've known throughout the years, Tyler Higby's kind of had these stretches where he's getting eight targets, nine targets, 10 targets, and then he gets goes through stretches where he has one target, zero <laughs> targets, two targets. Is a lot of that because of the offensive line woes, or is, is Higby just a guy who's never been able to consistently put it together? He's one of the hardest players for me to rank every year from a fantasy football perspective. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's kind of like a, a high floor, low ceiling type player um, in from a fantasy perspective, just because he's he's not the most explosive tight end. He's not like the most elusive after the catch where he's going to turn a short pass into a big gain. He's not Kelsey or Kittle in that way. Um, but he's a big part of the offense, not only as a blocker, but a receiver. And he doesn't really have any competition at the tight end position this year. There's no Gerald Everett. Um, obviously, he's been gone for a couple of years. So Higby's been the guy for, for the past couple of seasons. And um, he's just not going to be a guy who's going to get you 25 points in, in a given week, really, um, even with the volume, just because he doesn't pick up a ton of yards. But um, he, even though he's dealt with some injuries, he stays relatively healthy and available throughout the season. And, uh, like you mentioned some stretches, I think it was at the end of the 2019 season, he just erupted and had like three 100 yard games and yeah, he, he went nuts and it kind of came out of nowhere, but, um, I, I guess you can expect that sometimes from him, but more steadily, he's going to be like a three, four catch 40, 50 yard guy. So we've established that Van Jefferson is going to be one of the starting outside wide receivers for the Rams. And Sean McVay, obviously, throughout his Rams tenure, has been a very heavy 11 personnel guy. Do you expect the 11 personnel to continue? And if that's the case, who's going to be the third a third uh, receiver, also a, a guy who's going to be playing on the outside? Yeah, that's a good question. They don't really know right now. Um, it's going to be a competition between a lot of guys. Uh, ben Skoranek is one. Tutu Atwell is another. Uh, their rookie Puka Nakua is going to compete yeah. for snaps right away too. And then they brought in Demarcus Robinson and Tyler Johnson, two veterans who, who have started in the league before. Um, so it could be any one of those guys. I think most likely it's going to be kind of a, a blend of them where Skoranek is a better blocker. He might work on first and second down when, when there's a threat to run the ball. Tutu comes in when, when they need a big play or, or they need to stretch the field a little bit more. 
Um, Nakua is kind of a do-it-all guy the way that Robert Woods was, and some omen is being sent to me by this light bulb right now. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's it's going to be kind of a mix between those guys, and uh, Demarcus Robinson and Tyler Johnson are kind of the wild cards in it because they do have experience that Nakua and Skoranek and, and Atwell don't. So uh, let's talk about Nakua um, before we wrap this up. Uh, one of the things uh, – he was a guy who um, our team was down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, and he stood out to a lot of guys. And then the Rams, I think uh, some of the players have been talking him up from OTAs. What did they see from him? What did you see from him that suggests he might be able to get on the field early? Remember, this is this is a Rams coaching staff that changed what it did in 2017 when they realized they couldn't keep Cooper Cup off the field. So is there a chance that Puka Nakua becomes not Cooper Cup, but a guy who demands that he plays more? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's like I mentioned, he's kind of that do it all receiver. He's like a Robert Woods type where he can take these handoffs on jet sweeps and and pick up chunks of yards that way. Um, he, he's decent enough as a blocker to work in this offense, which is really what kept Cooper Cup on the field so often as a rookie, because it was not that he was a tight end, but they realized that they could get some good production out of the running game, even out of 11 personnel when you do have three receivers, all of whom can can block pretty well. Um, so Nakua is a guy who He's, he's slippery after the catch. He's pretty reliable with his hands. The biggest issue with him in college was just staying healthy, and, and he wasn't able to do that much. So uh, coming to the Rams and, and picking up their offense quickly, like like his teammates and coaches have said, and uh, just the work ethic that he's shown, I think he's going to kind of carve out a role for himself early on in this offense. Uh, Cameron, before I let you go, I've been asking each and every one of my guests uh, a kind of a sleeper on offense. I know we've gone pretty deep on the Rams' offense because we don't really know who's going to play, but if there's one player who stands out on this offense who might make a con- contribution for fantasy, who is it? Uh, there, there's a few different guys, but I'll I'll say Tutu Atwell. Um, I've been down on him for a couple of years, but he showed a little bit last season on, on some jet sweeps and uh, creating some big plays down the field because his speed is really – just his best asset and kind of um, what's going to get him on the field at some point this season. I think Uh, he has a higher ceiling than Ben Skoranek. So if he plays well in training camp in the preseason and kind of shows that he can be a true number, number three receiver and, and uh, and create some big plays for this offense, he could, he could contribute um, throughout the season and and kind of, he's going to be a tough guy in fantasy to project just because he's so reliant on big plays and and scoring touchdowns. He's not going to be a high volume player, but, if he gets rolling early on, he could be, I mean, the Rams brought into Sean Jackson a couple of years ago with high hopes of him being that field stretcher. And, and maybe Tutu can be that type of player for them this year. His name is Cameron De Silva. He is the managing editor at the Rams wire. You can follow him on Twitter at Cam De Silva, breaking down the Rams Madden ratings. I, I know Cam, it's not like the most, gl- it's not the most glamorous work, but Holy crap. Do those articles get clicks? Yeah, they do. And and fans who are who are going to play as the Rams this year in Madden are going to be disappointed. There's going to be a lot of 60s and 70 overall rated <laughs> players on that team. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure the Rams themselves are upset as well. Thank you, Cam, for joining me. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the Franchise Focus podcast. Like I said, I just recorded my last one, but you haven't heard the last of me. We still have the 49ers and the Seahawks to go. It's been wonderful talking to Cam. It's been wonderful talking to you. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.